0: I am Sarah-Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello friends, happy Friday. Today's episode is a bit different. It's a joint conversation with Connie Matisse, CEO and co-founder of East Fork Pottery, about using the Enneagram at work and the importance of emotional intelligence as a business owner. We will introduce each other in the episode, so don't be alarmed if we just jump right into our discussion or if it's not like the same rhythm of interview that we're used to over here. I think Connie's gonna jump the conversation off and we're gonna just kinda go back and forth Um, asking each other questions, sharing each other's stories, and um, mostly me talking about how much I love Connie and how cool she is. Okay. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I will see you Monday for the next one.
1: Hi, Sarah Jane.
0: Hi, Connie. I'm so happy to see you. I'm really happy to see you too.
1: Looking so sweet with your cool hairstyle that I wish I had right now. I'm going to switch yeah. I would
0: switch with you in an instant. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I'm really, really grateful to be talking um, to you today. I You have been on my radar as someone I've wanted to get to know in Asheville for like, it feels like a decade. Like you've just mm-hmm. been like a woman about town who I've always just kind of admired from a distance and like seen walking, seen at the coffee shop, seen walking around downtown. And I feel like I've, um, you know, over the past, like probably six years, like, picked up little bits and pieces of of who you are, but have never actually been able to connect. And so I I feel like I've been waiting for just like an excuse to be like, let's make this happen and actually have a conversation and get to know each other in a real capacity. And I'm really glad it's happening.
0: Me too. That's exactly how I feel. I feel like you did a post one time that was just so honest. And I was like, I would very much like to be friends with this person. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just, yeah, it's just taken time. It's just taking time. We're busy women. It happens. Yeah.
1: Um, well, today we're going to be talking specifically about the Enneagram and how how East Fork uses it um, uh, in, a, in the workplace setting. And we're going to be talking about the fact that you have a book um, coming up in October, October 18th, that's already available for pre-order. I'm so excited to dig into it. Sarah Jane graced me with a copy of it and it's sitting by my bedside bedside table um, waiting to waiting for me to dive into it. Um and yeah, I think we'll we'll just get started. Um, I'm I guess I guess we decided we were gonna, we were going to
0: introduce each other, but I just started anxious. You kind of nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> it like I monster. mean, I, and the thing I wanted to say about you is just like I think you're just one of the most aesthetic, like aesthetically gifted and honest people that I've ever interacted with, and that's something that I really admire and respect. And so that's the only thing I didn't get to say.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's such a compliment. Thank you so yeah. much.
0: Yeah, sometimes my honesty
1: really is just like a byproduct of my like social anxiety, but you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I think it gives other people permission to do the same, which is healing. I hope that I think that's I appreciate that
1: a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess you can do the official introduction of me in case people who. yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> if you're here on my account, this is Connie. She's CEO and co-founder of East Fork Pottery. One of the most beautiful collections of pottery. People are like die hard fans. um collect every color that's ever made and keep it all perfectly intact for years and years. Like there's like black market trading for this pottery. It's insane. Um, But just a, a talented marketer, a talented aesthetically gifted human being. But also I think one of my, like I said earlier, I really admire Connie's like honesty in business and humanity in business. And just the way you take care of your team and look out for your team. I just, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite p- parts about Connie. <laughs> That's-
1: that is so sweet of you, Sarah Jane. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah. Just um, true. And I've I've like learned about the Instagrams like in the last couple of years kind of uh separately, but you were 100 percent the the reason that I found out about the tool and got interested in the tool and the way that you are like go from like super serious and super sincere and very like you know emotions forward to like very playful and silly and irreverent. Like I I love the breadth that you that you talk about this tool. Um and it's like it feels like there's a lot of permission to just um Not take it too seriously and also be like, oh, no, like some of this stuff is um, we can apply some of these tools to very real, very serious parts of how we interact with each other and learn about
0: ourselves and heal trauma. And um, yeah, I love that. Thank you. I think that that's been like my my journey with the Enneagram lately is just like, how can I hold both both hold it very reverently and also very lightly? And it feels good to be seen. Yeah. Yeah, you do good let start yeah i want to know connie like i think you just said kind of where you found the enneagram but can we yeah how did you hear about the enneagram and then how did you decide to start working with it i i found out about it through your
1: instagram account <laughs>
0: and then i was like wait that that is literally how i found out i had never no heard
1: way. of it before. yeah several years ago i mean when did you start the account
0: in the end of 2018
1: yeah. So that was probably maybe, you know, maybe I'd heard the word before, but your Instagram account was definitely the thing that got me curious. And I don't really know. Now we work with them, um, with a teacher named Sandra Smith, and I'm trying to remember exactly how I found her. It might've been through Google like, or maybe she emailed us. I'm not really sure. We can get to that part later, but no, you were my entry point to the Enneagram for sure.
0: <laughs> that is so fun. Yeah. That makes me really happy. Yeah. I also just realized I'm drinking out of one of your mugs. This is like the bigger mug. Oh, you have a big one. I got one. it today. Yeah. Nice. It feels so good to hold like this one. Um, okay, so you found the Enneagram through Instagram. So fun, mm-hmm. makes me feel very cool. <laughs> and then How did you decide to, like, when did you start to, well, how did you find your type? Mm. we we'll start there. How mm. did you know?
1: So, I had never really practically tried to apply it to me until um, not this. So in 2020, um, in, in the winter of 2020, Alex and John and I, who so Alex and John are, are my business partners in the business. Alex is my husband, and and um, he's the founder of East Fork. Um, and he was, um, in the CEO position at the time. Um, but we, at that time we had a very like flat hierarchy where mm-hmm. it, but like a lot of, a lot of, um, unclarity around who was responsible for what we kind of stayed in our lanes and like had the things that we specialized in. But when it came time to like make the really big decisions, we hadn't really ever said you do this, she does this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, we, there was just like a lot of tension in the, um, in the way the three of us were, um were managing and we were really feeling the impacts of that all across the business. Like it, it used to drive me totally bonkers that Alex would constantly say, like it all flows up to the top. And um I would get so resentful because it would make me feel um I, I just you know, as it made me feel responsible for everyone's pain, like everyone's <laughs> mistakes, like the, that kind of constant repetition of um it all like the 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 source of all, all the problems that the company is coming from the way the three of us are interacting, um, hurt because it triggered something that was, that said, oh, maybe that's true. Um, Mm -hmm. the three of us were working together really dysfunctionally. Um, and we hadn't really taken the time. We were so busy growing the company as fast as we were that we hadn't taken any, any of the time to really examine the relationship between the three of us um and so we knew that something had to change and that actually was john who who threw a flag and was like we gotta do something we gotta just like Mm -hmm. shift things around um you know we need to all be yeah just change the way that we're interacting and so he made the suggestion that um that alex and i um shift our positions a little bit um at the time um I was in the CMO role, but I was a uh, typical type eight behavior, fully unable to stay in my lane, like <laughs> wanted to take control of everything, had lots of hot takes and like, <laughs> was just like backseat driving so hard. And it was driving Alex absolutely bonkers. I had an opinion about absolutely every decision that was being made at the company. And I was like, I, I was feeling like, um, like I was being held back from being able to just make choices that I thought were the obvious ones. Um, and it was causing extreme harm in all directions because of my inability to just be like, to be the decider. Um, so John was like, maybe it would make sense for Connie to be in this role of the decider. Um, so we, we switched around. We, in making that decision, we were like, okay, if that's going to happen, like we're going to have to be really, really, really thoughtful about how we make that change. If it's the right change to make. And so I put together this like 16 week process, um, and called on like a whole host of, of people with different training mm-hmm. modalities and perspectives to come in and just work with us on a one-on-one basis to, to identify some skills and weaknesses some growth opportunities, mm-hmm. some like patterned behavior. Um, and working with Sandra Smith, the Enneagram coach was by mm-hmm. far and away the, the tool that, that provided provided us with the most language that we could use to have more effective conversations um and it was so helpful for us that we just we just kept using it
0: mhm i i love the amount of like i said this earlier but like just the amount of honesty when you're like this is what i had to work on here here it is and i think like that's one of the magical things about the enneagram it's just kind of like here is your stuff mm-hmm. look at it deal with it um was it when you first read yours was it like alarming
1: it was alarming yeah it was alarming and it and i think there was some sweetness in like alex reading mine and me reading alex's and being like Mm -hmm. whoa all right Mm -hmm. um it it was alarming and also it was also just, there was something that was very comforting about it to to be able to externalize some of this a little bit and to just be like, that's not the core of who I am. Like all of my desire to control and to help and to fix and to be the decider, like it all comes from this very tender place of wanting everyone to be taken care of and wanting justice in the world and wanting, just like wanting, having a vision of, of everybody working in harmony and like seeing myself as like primed to be able to help everyone get there. Um, and so I think being able to like look back and see like this is coming from a really loving place and like it sometimes it comes out in this way because I just like want to be loved and valued. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, it was really helpful in, in just giving starting the process of like some some really fundamental um, like self-forgiveness and
0: self-love. <laughs> I love that because I, I do think the Enneagram is saying like it's the other end of our skill set is also what doesn't work for us. It's Mm -hmm. like this like really like beautiful honesty can sometimes look like always telling, you know, the hot takes that you mentioned, you know, these two opposite ends of the spectrum. So if we can really embrace that as a strength at the same time, when Mm -hmm. that strength is like overused or over-functioning, it doesn't always serve us. Mm -hmm. Do you- able to skillfully apply it. yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like it showed you guys like where, the strengths were as well as like where, what you could work on?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that's, that's what was um, at the time, the thing that um, the, the, the issue that all three of us identified was there were a lot of decisions that we'd been spinning our wheels on for years, like literal years Mm -hmm. where we all kind of, we all, uh, I had a very strong opinion about what needed to be done. And the two of them had some opinions, but we were um, so stuck in um, not and, and not making the decision and moving forward um, that it was causing just like stress and chaos in so many parts of the business. And so part of the reason why I stepped into that role was because I have the skill of being able to sit down and look hard things in the face and say the hard thing and like make the hard decision and move on Um, and that was not a skill that that John or Alex had however Alex had the incredible visionary skill of how can I look at a big giant pile of dirt where nothing exists and paint this incredible picture of something um, that I can then like sell to everyone around me and get everyone excited about um and that's what was needed too like we were in a place and we the place that we were in wasn't going to be the place that we were going to be in for forever Um, and we needed to get to another place that we didn't have a clear picture of yet so when Alex moved transitioned into the um into the role of um into into the looking more like five years ahead like that was the perfect unleashing of his skills in that moment We're actually he's he's reshifting and is going to be reengaging in a much more um, kind of daily decision making way now. But after like I think having that perspective of like, no, Alex's real skill is being able to to think of the thing that has not yet been thought of and believe with like unbridled optimism that that thing is possible Mm -hmm. and sell everybody else on the. On the idea, um he's a type seven. Place it's, it's not clear, <laughs> um. <laughs> and it's intoxicating. Like Eastwork, Eastwork only exists because of because of that skill that Alex Alex has. And in the moment, we just needed someone to like get in the weeds and kind of work their ass off and like mm-hmm. kind of like do what type eights do, which is kind of ignore all of the signs in their body that say it's time to stop. I I, I just needed to to get weedy and to make some hard choices and to, to drive some things forward that we've been kind of dragging our feet on for a while. I don't want to do that forever. That's not what I'm going to do anymore. But in that moment, that's what was needed.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I love the temporary way that you're t- discussing that where you're saying like, right, like for that season, that's what I had to do. And that's how I showed up. And then I'm kind of backing out of, you know, there's a close to the season mm-hmm. versus like this is a lifestyle and this is how we kind of go on forever.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, John is really good at at that. He um we do this exercise um called scan expand, where um after kind of gaining some fluency and and um language around like our our patterned behavior, um we try our best to look at the week ahead, look at the situation that we're in, and expand the scan and to see what are some skills and tools from the other Enneagram types that might be useful in this moment um, that I could like learn from or borrow from or lean into. Um, And in moments like tax season, when John's type five, um, Mm -hmm. withdrawing, focusing, you know, being very process oriented, um, being hyper um, like expert in the thing that he's doing, like in that Mm -hmm. moment, he's, he sometimes will say that he's um, strategically unexpanded and like fully fully locked into that particular skill. Uh, But then he'll be like, Ooh, I've been stuck in that skill for a long time and I'm not okay. (laughs) Mm.
0: I love what you're saying because what we talked about kind of beforehand is like the book that I wrote is discussing that each Enneagram type, like we have all Enneagram types inside of us. And I think sometimes we think, Oh, I'm this type. That means I have to operate out of this type structure. This is who I am. This is who I'll always be. And then we have this opportunity and I think scan and expand is such fun, perfect language for that of like, I get to choose what skill I use at any given moment. And Mm -hmm. there's just one that I have a really quick access to that's so much easier to use. And sometimes it's not the right place or the right time, but if I can pause and choose another behavior, then I can operate sometimes in more appropriately for the scenario. Yeah, totally. Yeah
1: yeah can and, you reflect a little bit on 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 your type and like what your kind of your your patterned behaviors look like as a yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> especially in work you know i'm a seven and i am just ideas are so easy for me but i often like i found myself that kind of a wake-up call for me was a moment where i was like i have 10 income streams and i have no plan for how people are going to find out about these and buy them. Mm -hmm. So I just was creating products saying, hey, buy this, but I didn't have an email list going. I didn't have ways for people to actually get invested and then kind of follow the ladder to get to purchase those items. Mm -hmm. And and it for me is like, I need to put on my inner type three and think strategically about this and think about the, the metrics or the markers or how am I going to get this in front of more people or how am I going to make this more successful? Because I'm so experience oriented. I just want to mm-hmm. feel good. I want to have fun. I want I want to do things that feel exciting and interesting to me. Yeah. And sometimes the more exciting part isn't necessarily the part that sells things. Yeah. And so I had to work really hard to slow down and make sure that there's like a direct A to B path for people yeah. to hear about it and then purchase it. And I think that's a re- that's a conversation I have every day with myself is just make sure you're actually trying to sell these things or actually trying to promote the things that you're making because the making is the fun part mm-hmm. to me. But in order to continue making, I have to you know live. Yeah. I'll just keep
1: plugging October
0: 18th by Sarah Tink. <laughs> you
1: can pre-order it now at the bookseller of your choice. <laughs> I love that.
0: Well, and something that you said kind of as you're talking about entering the enneagram into your workplace i love the way that you said like you really started with the leadership you know Mm -hmm. it it starts with y'all and i think from working with a lot of different companies in the past i've heard people you know most of the time we start with i want my employees to do what i want my employees to do i want them to like fall in line or um fit the company structure in the way that I desire for them to instead of looking first at the leadership and then letting that set the tone of the culture. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Like, And it's such, a, it's such a common mistake. It's a mistake that we made all the time. I mean, back, I would say like 2018, 2019 was a time where we had a very clear vision of the type of company we wanted to be. We had this list of values that we felt very committed to um, mm-hmm. and- and we, we kind of had all the talking points down, but there was so much work we had not done at a self level and at a, like a relational level at that top leadership structure that it, it, I wasn't able to, at some point I wasn't able to sleep at night. So I was like, this is kind of bullshit. Like, I, I believe really strongly that like, I am very well-intentioned here, but like there's a lot, like, I I mean, and, and at that time I had like, I had, I had just had another baby. I was like, I never took a, a very, again, type eight bad stuff. Like I, I didn't take a maternity leave. I was responding to customer care emails while I was bouncing on a, on a ball while I was in like between contractions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not taking care of myself. Um, and I cared so much about everybody around me. Um, I was completely boundaryless, like my own, like my own stress and anger and resentment and rage was just like seeping out everywhere. Mm-hmm. But because I felt so like my my true self was like it's because i care so much like i just kind of like was like it's fine they'll they'll see how hard i'm working they'll see how much i care but it was causing a lot of harm and and i think that um you know when we started when we really committed to that that self work and that work at that leadership level it was like 6 months of like talking about it all day every day and really going through a period of storming and um you know a couple steps forward and lots of steps back um and, and, and even now it's not like you don't, you don't just like fix yourself and then move on from it. And then you're like a a perfect leader. Like the last few months I've kind of, I've been slipping back into some behaviors that I'm, that now feel completely intolerable, but Mm -hmm. I can, they're very, um, they're still there, you know, like it's, it's constant maintenance. I say all that to say that, like, even if that, that work started like several years ago, it's going to take a, like, there's still narratives that exist around and, and there's still like impacts of behaviors from years ago that are going to continue to to kind of resonate through an infrastructure in, in, in through a company culture that it might take years like more years of daily practice and every day getting better and recommitting for some of those wounds to heal and it's not like i, I didn't do that. like i'm making it sound like i'm yeah i i'm over not i'm not overstating it like it's it's I wasn't doing anything really nefarious or bad. I wasn't like throwing things or like yelling at people ever, ever, ever. But I, I, there was a, an element of just like always being strung out, never caring for myself, being really disconnected from my body, um, wanting to, you know, kind of having that my way or the highway thinking when things were stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't a good luck, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was-
0: Well, and I think that's the fascinating thing about the eight structure is that it's actually like an extremely caring, protective, like um, parental almost energy. And we see it as it's kind of oftentimes received as not as the opposite of that. But I think about like my big brother's a type eight and he literally raised me. He took care of me. He raised me. He like protected me. And it's all, he's just one of the most loving people that I know, but it's like, through what he's doing and so it's like look at how hard i'm willing to work for this and sometimes it's like easy to miss the like tenderness that's underneath the kind of the you know overdoing
1: yeah oh my gosh i want to like raise all of the babies and like solve all of the problems with the world and like that instinct (laughs) like it's there's it comes from a deep deep well of love and it also can be so disempowering for people (laughs) And it's, but it's always so jarring for me because I I really see myself as like a like we used to every, there was a while where everyone was taking the um like the Harry Potter tests and like everyone was like well Connie's obviously a Gryffindor obviously a Slytherin like I would fall into one of those camps but I am a Hufflepuff hundred percent of the time it makes me so <laughs> mad. <laughs> like, like i've never i've never gotten any that besides hufflepuff on it is yeah. <laughs> but i, think I feel like this deeply loving sweet kind friendly person who just so happens to like intimidate people and scare people because <laughs> i sometimes can be really awkward and overbearing. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: well i have the opposite everyone thinks i'm a hufflepuff but i in my heart of hearts know i'm a gryffindor oh interesting yeah and I yeah. just feel like people think I'm, like, so sweet and innocent, like, naive. And I'm like, no, I'm, like, tough and brave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tough and brave. I break rules. Isn't that so wild? Like, that's just because you smile a lot. Like, you smile more. So people are like, you must be so friendly and
0: nice. I think so, yeah. And I think I am nice. I just, like, I'm also honest. Yeah. I'm not very nice. I think that's probably it. I think I'm very <laughs>
1: kind. I'm very kind, but I think I... I think sometimes I'm not very nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, I used to say like I don't want to be sweet. I want to be kind because yeah. I think there's a difference. Yeah, of like being like sugary and being just the kindness sometimes doesn't always look like sweetness. Mm-mm. No, it doesn't. No. So, okay, we started with the leadership, mm-hmm. and then I know now you the whole company's involved, right?
1: Not everyone yet. So we're really trying to be methodical about how we lay it out, um, and. Um, so, yeah, again, the leadership started doing this about two years ago. Alex is a type 7, I'm a type 8, John's a type 5. From there, um, and at that time, um, Zoe Dadian, who um, was our chief operating officer, another type 8, the two of us together were quite a duo. Um, and from there, we brought in our um, our director-level crew. And so they got it. Um, they kind of did a, a typing exercise, um, did some training. Um, we started using that, um, the Scan and Expand, in our um um, in our, in our executive committee. Um, and I, so I really wanted people to be able to like gain fluency over how to use that tool before they started just like passing books around to everybody. And so mm-hmm. it was like five or six months of, of us practicing at that level. Um, and then we started introducing it to our senior managers. So, so senior managers started getting typed, um, all by Sandra. And then, um, and and trained in on, on how to use that. Uh, and so we, we basically took that exercise. And once I kind of felt like the director level team had some fluency over how to do it, then we incorporated Mm -hmm. it into like our, our senior leadership meeting and our, our our monthly meeting. And, um, so it's, it's slowly making its way, but I'm really strongly about like, you can't ask people, especially you can't Mm -hmm. ask people who aren't getting paid as much as you are to like do all of this extra self-work. Like yeah. You can't do that. I think that like having ex- having higher expectations of people who are taking home, home a bigger paycheck and who are then having to like model behavior is super important before you mm-hmm. start like you know kind of penalizing people who who aren't that and don't have that much like investment in the business um who are just trying to like have a job and um you know to to me like do the self work to like identify yeah. All- yeah, that's asking a lot of people. So we're trying to well, take- I,
0: I do think like it's more of emotional work as a leader or a manager. You're yeah. having to actually be the one to set the tone for the relationships, and so it does make sense, you know, to start from from there and kind of move. i, I keep almost saying trickle down, and I'm trying so hard not to say that phrase. I know. I know. <laughs>
1: like, I know like, but I think if you think about it, like the 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 like the the decision making, the setting of the tone of like this business is going to make, have to make this much money, this many pieces of pottery, you know, you're, you're laying out that roadmap. If you have the power and agency to make those decisions, like you, there is more, the, the onus of responsibility on you showing up at work and like, having your stuff figured out does Mm -hmm. lie on you because if you're making decisions without thinking about how they're going to impact other people, you're Mm -hmm. setting other people up for failure. So I, I, Mm -hmm. it's, it's tricky because obviously, and and not to say that there, there aren't people in that level who, who aren't way better at some of that self-work than people in leadership positions. I think that's very true. Like this idea that like anyone who's a manager is better at Mm self-awareness, you know, that you get a lot of people who and i'm i'm talking this is global i'm not talking mm-hmm. about just for specifically here but you got a lot of people who are really good at a skill who mm-hmm. get put into a managerial position they might have zero understanding of mm-hmm. the impact that they have on people around them and that can cause a lot of harm especially mm-hmm. if that person continues to be rewarded for hitting goals or you know doing projects well um there you know there's a lot of bad managers
0: out there mm-hmm. it's easy to be a bad manager it's like easier because well and i think if we think about it's easier to operate out of our dominant type all the time and just kind of take the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. That is much more natural and easy than to actually pause and take a break and kind of practice emotional discipline. I think that is practice. That takes a little a lot more effort. It takes
1: a lot of effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm doing a bad job of it this
1: week. <laughs> I've been, I think that's just, our, our couple therapist is pointing this out. It's like, if, once you do start to, if you have like moments or even like minutes or days or weeks, or even sometimes glorious, like a month of being mm-hmm. in a flow and like really um, just feeling like you're in a good stride and feeling like really aligned with the person that you are. And then all of a sudden you're not anymore. It, there is, mm-hmm. there's almost like a, it's, it, it I think the the flag goes up of like, okay, I'm not okay faster. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like the angst that causes me to be in that spot feels more intolerable. And the last, like just the last couple of days, I've just been like so reactive and like Mm -hmm. everything is making me mad. I'm like, this sucks. This is, this is how I used to be all the time. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and I think what you're saying is so important because I feel like one of the most common things that happen when we start to work with the Enneagram is we think like, when am I gonna be done? Like, when do I get to check this off my list of things that I've completed or accomplished or like get the gold star for having made it? And I think the reality is that we're gonna be in relationship to this for the rest of our lives. This is gonna be the most natural response that comes to us for the rest of our lives. And unless in these practices that we do to you know react differently, are amazing and they're awesome and i think you're right like we get seasons where we can really operate differently for longer mm-hmm. and then some then it's like well things happen and yeah. we're gonna you know fall off and then we're gonna practice again mm-hmm. but i agree like i feel like the patterns like especially me like being over mm-hmm. was such a common for me i just was feeling my schedule all the time like multiple like way over scheduling mm-hmm. and now it's almost intolerable like mm-hmm. if and mm-hmm. it's I almost like feel like there's like shame that can come up because it's like I know better. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame. you start yelling at
1: yourself and you're like, I know
0: how to do yeah. this differently and now I'm doing it for yeah, it's yeah. and it and it feels so much worse, like my nervous system is like less accustomed to it too. Yeah. yeah. Today's podcast is brought to you by Less Brands. Learning to work with my wavy curly hair has been a lifelong journey from trying to figure out how to straighten it without getting frizzy to finally embracing my natural hair texture to realizing that that would take me 50,000 steps to do. Now some days I've had more struggles than others, but I'm so happy to finally have products that enhance my natural curls instead of trying to change them while not being an 80,000 step system. And Lust brands makes it easier than ever so if you don't know Lust brands has a three-step system you have shampoo that lathers lusciously my hair has never felt more clean conditioner that hydrates and then you have one styling product that does all the magic of the other thirty thousand steps so what i do is i just wash my hair in the shower condition it put the styler in after i do a wet comb put it in a, a you know a hair turban and then we're good to go you could diffuse your hair if that's important to you i let mine naturally dry i just give it a good little scrunch plop it up and then let it be now lust brands wants to help you embrace your unique waves curls kinks and coils they have over 30 five star reviews which makes total sense to me. When I tell you that I have never missed a hair care routine like I do this one, I didn't bring it to Bali and it was a huge mistake. I think about it every time I wash my hair. I miss it. It would have done me wonders here. But the Lust Brands three-step system includes shampoo, conditioner, and an all-in-one styler that improve the health of your hair over time. So every product is dermatologist-tested and approved with no harsh ingredients. And Lust Brands offers formulas that are tailored to the needs of wavy, curly, and kinky-coily hair types so everyone can find what works for their hair. So Lus Brands makes my curls look their best, and yours will too. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off your first purchase of $50 or more. But only when you go to LussBrands.com and enter promo code EGRAM. That's L-U-S, brands, with an S, dot com, and promo code EGRAM. Don't wait. Get 15% off your with promo code EGRAM at lusbrands.com. Thank you, Les Brands, for supporting the podcast and for making my hair dreams come true. Can I ask, like, in the process of bringing this into the company, like, do you do you see major differences in in maybe the way you talk about things or shift in culture?
1: Oh my gosh, absolutely! What I see um, is so much more humility um, in in and obviously everyone's kind of like at their own at their own place with how they use it. But I got some leaders who, when they start. When they're in a place where they're under resource and kind of bumped out of their resiliency zone and they start doing their stuff, they'll be the first people to be like, whoa, I'm doing that thing again where I'm acting as if there's only one right way to do this. <sighs> Hype one behavior, like I have to like give some more space for other people to have their own processes that and to, like believe that other people might be able to, to step up to the plate in a way that I wasn't anticipating. So I, I'm seeing a lot of people um yeah, catch themselves um doing something and then pausing and, and making a different choice, or even if they're not able to make a different choice in that moment, mm-hmm. just acknowledging it and saying, like, I'm sorry, like, I I did that thing again, where I, um, yeah, where I, like, centered my own emotional needs. And I, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm wondering before, because I was, like, wanting to, like, make specific examples. And since I think a lot of our our audience um will be completely unfamiliar with the Enneagram, mm-hmm. do you want to give us, like, a quick, like, how would you, how would you describe it to someone who's Super unfamiliar and maybe even just like a quick one sentence about each type. I I'm also very curious yeah. about how the, the poetic element of your book and, and how how you round that out.
0: Yeah, I actually that's smart to Describe the Enneagram. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) uh, The Enneagram is a a personality typing tool. It's broken up into nine unique types. Each type has a basic fear, a basic motivation. Uh, I think of it as like the pressure we carry of like who we think we have to be in the world. Um, So like type in there numbered. So type ones, they're the perfectionist or the moralist and the pressure they carry is the pressure to be morally perfect. Um, we have type twos, the helper, the pressure they carry is to be likable or lovable. Type threes are the achiever. The pressure they carry is to be successful or to be perceived as successful. Type fours are the individualist and they carry the um, pressure to be special or significant. Mm Then we have type five, the investigator and their pressure is to be informed and capable. We have type six, the loyalist, their pressure is to be prepared and not get to be supported. Mm -hmm. And we have type seven, the enthusiast, our pressure is to be satisfied and happy and not trapped in negative emotion. Mm -hmm. We have type eight, the challenger, and their pressure is to be strong and not weak. Mm -hmm. We have type nine, the peacemaker, and their pressure is to be easy to get along with.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of a simplification of actually a very complex system that has so much intricate depth and specificity. So when you start to read it, it feels really invasive and maybe offensive at first. And then as you get to know it, it can make you also feel more seen than anything else I've ever experienced
1: yeah yeah there's really nothing like being in a in a group of other people i I did a um like a type eight eight workshop with Sandra and what was so cool about it was that like there was if you like looked around the room and just tried to do like a demographic check or like an interest mm-hmm. check like there were very few things that you could say all all of the people in that room had in common and then mm-hmm. when we started talking to each other about it, it the, uh, we were from all walks of life like there it was a very very um, diverse group of of people with very different interests, um, and it was wild to feel yes. just at home and like like so deeply belonging
0: to this mm-hmm. group of people because of our core motivations and this mm-hmm. week. Yeah. We, I, My favorite way to learn the Enneagram is through panels mm-hmm. where you have like the same type all up in the front talking and answering questions. And it's so fascinating to watch because you can see the similarity in body language, the similarity in processing um, type sevens. We all laugh, cry. We just kind of like, we're crying, but we're laughing at the same time. We're kind of making jokes around and we're crying because we're being forced to sit still and answer questions about our emotions for maybe the, you know, if we don't do that a lot or, you know, without practice. So it, it's just, yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. And it feels so, I keep hitting that microphone. It feels so comforting to just be in sync with people and be like, oh, you get what I'm going through. You understand the way that i think you have similar problems <laughs> mm-hmm. and you just like understand the intricacies of intricacies of my experience in a way that it's you don't get with a lot of other people
1: Mm-mm. yeah it's really wild our our whole finance team is type 5 all of them
0: wow um, and
1: it's it's pretty funny it it's been um and And John is the first to say, like all of the ways that, that can be really dysfunctional um, it's, And he's like the the boss of the department is also type five. and um he just hired a controller for the position who's conveniently a type eight who's bringing a very different approach to how that team is run. And it's i' I'm already seeing like uh, just, I don't know, like more um more levity in the group or just like people people being able to um, show up with different you know, just a different tone
0: yeah well i think that's like a cool thing to think about how restructure you know kind of paying attention to like moving things around and seeing how those energies impact each other um i think what i hear you say a lot it sounds very much like you're paying attention you're listening you're observing you're making adjustments and and i think that that's in a company and in enneagram work just that's it right like that's all we can do we'll never surpass where we're at like we'll never just one day not have problems or not deal with humanity mm-hmm. but we will and in, in a company or in our personal growth like both mm-hmm. and all that we can do is just pay attention see what's not working slow down make adjustments see mm-hmm. how that works and that's probably the rest of our lives yep, yep. every day iterate 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 <laughs> <laughs> um so for people who are here, who are like, I want to bring the Enneagram into the company. That's something I want to do. Do you have any advice for people who are just starting?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, follow Sarah Jane on Instagram and read her books. <laughs> like, I mean, I I really liked the Hel- Helen Palmer book, um, mm. uh, Enneagram in Love and Work. Um, I think it was really helpful to, um, uh, like taking all of those online tests, I think can be really discombobulating for people. And that's like kind of the thing that people go to. And then I, I found it very, very helpful to really sit with a human who was really trained in this tool and have a conversation like Sandra's ability to like type someone very quickly, um, was pretty wild. Um, so I think like finding a, like reading the books, like yours are great. Helen Palmer's is great. Um, and making sure that you have enough space, like I think that that what you said at the beginning was was really correct, that when you first start getting into it, it can feel really invasive and you can just be like, how dare you? Like that's, there can be a lot of defensiveness that comes up around it. Um, so I think approaching it with a lot of just curiosity and, um, you know, like, like any of these, like any tool, like realizing it, it is a tool that is available if you find it helpful. It's not something that you have to feel like imprisoned by or like destined to, Um, but if you kind of approach it with the, Hey, I'm a human, it makes perfect sense that I tend to go to certain tools in my toolbox. Those tools might not always be the right ones for every situation. What would it look like if I stepped back and like looked in my toolbox, picked every single one of them up, asked myself where I got that thing, like Mm -hmm. see which ones were not getting so much use, like look around at other people's toolboxes and see what they have over there that might be useful to put in my toolbox like i think just like approaching it with with a lot of um curiosity or self-forgiveness um that's kind of step one um and then definitely um doing your own work before you try to do other people's work like the tendency to be like well alex is a type five so of course he's gonna like of course he's going to drop the ball on the details there because he has mm. too many things going on. I think that, that could be really, really damaging. So if you mm. try to bring something like this into your workplace and you don't, if, if, and then you start pigeonholing people and start like making, like expecting them to behave in certain ways because of their type, that doesn't give anyone any room to grow. Um, mm. It leave any room for surprises. Um And I, and so, yeah, which is, I think the case for like any relationship, like anytime you think that you can expect that someone will behave a certain way like that's on you like humans Mm -hmm. are wild and they grow and change and they they do things differently every day Mm -hmm. um so making sure that you're giving yourself and other people a lot of space to change before you enter into a practice that is about growth (laughs) is is important
0: yeah i feel like it's like the emotional equivalent of when people just keep getting you the same kind of animal gift over and over like oh you love giraffes and like (laughs) and all of a sudden everyone's giving you giraffe presents you're like really? i was 10 when i liked yeah. giraffes totally and like, i have changed a lot since then and i think when we expect people to continue operating out of their baseline type we we just kind of basically say like you're always going to be this and i'm only ever going to see you this way yeah, and it
1: sucks i think it's so important like when you're thinking about working with children to just like giving them space to like show up differently you know yeah. like um yeah not saying uh, yeah, and at the same time being like, well, yeah, well, when Connie is under-resourced, it's probably it's a lot of times she comes in and she's not very nice, um, mm-hmm. or she she shoots down opinions really, really quickly. And, um, but again, like making that your own work instead of like really focusing on on yourself rather than trying to. Um, to, to do other people's work for them is important in any in, and in, in all work, honestly. Um, the other thing about like a, a workplace setting, the what ha- what's helpful for us is to have a very um, structured way of using it. Um something that we used to do at Eastwork a lot when we were a much smaller team, um, and when it was like very family friends, family and friends. Um, and when I was a leader that like didn't have great boundaries around, around work and workplace relationships. And I'm married to the there's a lot of family in the business. Yeah. Um, and the, what I love about the Enneagram is it it gives a structured place to have some of those conversations that sometimes aren't about work, um, or that are, that get to like the, um, get out of like the tactical, um, the tactical parts of the job, um, and into like, how are we as humans who go about and like live lives in this very chaotic world showing up in this space but giving it a a very clear space with like on an agenda with a name and uh, this is the exercise. We have 15 minutes to do this. We're not letting this bleed out into everything we do all the time. We're gonna do this right up at the front so we can all have an understanding of what we're coming into the room with. And then we're not gonna, we're gonna move on. And if part part of our scan and expand is like, I'm super unexpanded. I am like, actually, I really probably shouldn't be in this room. Sometimes we'll be like, why don't you not be in the room and like Mm -hmm. we can come back and have the meeting later rather than halfway through a meeting Mm -hmm. finding yourself like in like a chaos emotion ball that is super not
0: helpful (laughs) well and i love what you said earlier you called it under resourced and i think that that's like such a compassionate way to talk about it is it's not that like i just being the worst version of myself and I don't care. It's like, I'm typically we're doing that because we haven't had enough time for ourselves or we're, you know, not giving ourselves that time, even if the time exists. And Mm. then we, we don't have as many resources to operate out of a different place to kind of choose how we respond. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. 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 That phrase like kind of unlocked a lot. Alex really likes this Mm. on visual of being like above or below the line. Um, and it's like when you're when you're above the line, it feels easy to forgive. It feels easy to to like own your own emotions, to collaborate. And when you're below it, like all these other things start to happen. You start to triangulate, make assumptions. And it's when you just do a basic check-in at the beginning of a meeting, like am I am I right on it? Could it go other direction? Or am I like feeling pretty resilient and able to like to to manage information as it comes instead of all feeling like it's all one overwhelming bubble of chaos
0: Mm -hmm. well this is so good because i think about i know we need to wrap up soon but i keep thinking about how one of the things that questions i get all the time is like i'm a type five and i work with a type two and everything i do hurts their feelings and i think that that just kind of having that moment of checking in of like is everything that i receive right now going to be interpreted through the filter of do they like me do they love me? Versus actually, I can separate the feedback from how I think you feel about me overall. Mm-hmm. And then I can be much more receptive. And mm-hmm. you're just having an honest conversation about it up front instead of it being like a the five's responsibility to kind of guess at how to present, you know, everybody gets to tell you where they're at.
1: Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You don't, have to, you don't have to then make assumptions about people. You're just putting it out there i had a type. Do we have a type two on the team? She's amazing. She's so type two. She kind of hates it, but she's, she just is. And the other day she had this amazing moment in our, in our skin and expand in our monthly leadership meeting where she was like, I was out there the last few months, like working to try to schedule like 18 people's schedules. Like it was, I spent weeks trying to get this photo shoot planned and it was, I was trying to be so accommodating to everyone's perfect, perfect thing. And then I had to turn around and be like, well, I, I can't like now I spent all that time and I can't even come to the date that I, mm. that I scheduled for everybody else. It's like completely ruining my week to now have to go to this, this thing that I tried so hard to, to make, to accommodate people mm-hmm. on. Um, and that she was like, you know what, that's maybe I, maybe the next time I'm going to say what works best for my schedule. Yes. Like, that is, so good. Yeah um so yeah it's really fun to see people really gaining some just realizing that there's always a different choice to make Mm -hmm. than the one that you immediately go to oh
0: that's it that's it yeah Hmm. it was so nice to talk to you you too thank you for taking the time to share all of your experiences absolutely
1: i hope some of it made sense i can really be a rambler and i got
0: some nuggets in there but so much good stuff
1: Please, everyone um, listening on the East Fork side, please go check out Sarah Jane Case's work. Um, she's a She has an amazing podcast called Instagram And You're Going to Coffee. Her book is coming out October 18th. Please buy it. She's a
0: wonderful, lovely human. I'm glad to share space with her in Asheville, North Carolina. And um, also, friends, go get the big mug or the small mug. They just launched cappuccino-sized mugs, which I'm going to get as soon as possible. They're very cute. Yeah. yeah.
1: All right. We'll Thank see you around. Take yeah, care. I'll see you.